Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunday service of FCC. Last Sunday, we celebrated the 19th anniversary of Free Community Church. So we are in our last year of our teens already. So regardless of whether you have been with us throughout the 19 years or you have only joined us uh, during the last two years of the pandemic, welcome. We welcome the people on site and we welcome the people online. So let us now prepare our hearts with a call to worship. Come in, come in and sit down. You are a part of the family. We, we are lost and we are found and we are a part of the family. We know, God, that we who have gathered here are a part of the family, but we also know that the family is much bigger still. There are people we don't understand, there are people we disagree with, there are people we don't like, there are people who don't like us. Challenge us, God, to expand our vision of family until we see all of creation as one big family. Amen. Now let us join our voices together with the worship team for a time of worshipping together. Before I was made 
Still my heart, still my heart. 
Hi, good morning, church. My name is Mark, and this is the prayer segment. So let's prepare ourselves for prayer. To the God of many names, thank you for your love for us. You are our Lord, our God, our Heavenly Father, and our Mother who lords over us as a hen over her chicks. As your beloved children, we want to lift up your name in praise. Lord, you are the all-present all-knowing and all-powerful Lord. But you are also the parent who holds us close and comforts us in time of need. Lord, you are the one who hates injustice, insincere worship and offerings, and things that do not come from a heart of complete surrender. But you are also the patient parent who knows that we are rarely ready, even as we try to come before you. Lord, empty our hearts and minds of selfish ambition and thoughts, idols and worldly wants and thoughts. And before you, Lord, we bow with hearts humbled, but also filled with gratitude for your love and all your provisions in our lives. For members in our community who are physically ill or mentally unwell, we pray for their healing and also that your comfort and courage and strength will be felt fully as we struggle together through the ups and downs with each other for the caregivers within our community, Lord, we pray you teach them to care for themselves and help us to care for each other, even as we try to care for each other. For those of us going through difficult times at work or with family, Lord, we pray they will help us struggle through the strained relationships and that your love will always be felt no matter what and that in all the things that we go through, we will always be anchored in your power and authority in our lives. Lord, lead us not into temptation or be easily distracted by the idols of this world. But bless this community, Lord, that we can be, with the help of each other, be the place where your fruit is seen and where we, with the help of each other, find the courage to be the church for the world that needs it, broken as it is. Grant us the courage to try and try, even as we fail, and fail to love each other, to care for each other, 
and to be that community that you have called us to be. Help us to follow you, Lord, and grant us all the wisdom that we need for that. We pray and lift up especially our leaders, our cell leaders, members of the board and council, and our pastors who give all they can for us. Lord, we lift up these prayers with hands of surrender. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Land of my will by your speed Shake my foundations till I come undone And let my walls fall to the ground Build my heart to face the sound Land on my will but yours be done Shame my foundations till I come undone And let my walls fall to the ground Build my heart to face the sound Of your voice calling me to rise from the dead I hear your voice calling to trust you instead I hear your voice calling me to move out in faith I hear your voice I hear your voice I have been healed I'm whole I hear your voice 
time has come You're doing a new thing You're doing a new thing Behold, a hope springs forth The river is flowing The river is flowing Behold, the time has come You're doing a new thing You're doing a new thing Lift your voice and sing Behold, we lift our voice Our praises are rising Our praises are rising I hear your voice I hear your voice I hear your voice I have been healed I'm whole again I hear your voice I hear your voice I have been healed I'm whole again Of your voice Calling me to rise from the dead I hear your voice Calling me to trust you in sin I hear your voice Calling me to move out in faith I hear your voice I hear your voice I have been here I'm home Good morning. Um, today, the worship is kind of more pensive. Um, after last week's big celebration of our 19th anniversary, um, it's kind of like after the party, things settle down and you slow down and reflect. Um, and I think the sermon too will be quite inviting you to reflect. Um, and today, uh, a lot of it's going to rely on you reflecting on um, the passage we are going to go through. And so for those of you who want to um, be part of this, um, uh, we have been using Menti for quite a while already. Um, you just log into your browser um, and go on to fcc.la/menti or stand, scan the QR code and join us um, as I ask questions and you, and we build that sermon up together, right? So um, just go to fcc.la.slash.menti. We have shortened the code, so you don't even have to key in the, the uh, menti code to enter the, the, the chat. Okay. So before I start reading the lectionary passage today, I want to highlight something. And today, instead of reading from the uh, new Revised Standard Version, the NRSV that I usually do, I'm reading from the NIV, the, uh, the NIV version, the New International Version. And this is one occasion, and those of you who know me uh, or have gone through Bible study with me, I'm not that, uh, I'm quite critical of the NIV, right? But this is one occasion that the NIV version does a better job than the NRSV. How, right? The NRSV says 10 lepers 
while the NIV version says 10 men who had leprosy. In the original Greek, the words are ener lepros, meaning that which is a man with leprosy. The NIV doesn't name these men based on their disease, right? The translators and editors of the NIV Bible made an active choice of the words they use so that they do not dehumanize these men and because calling them lepers reduces them to their disease and becomes a barrier for us to relate to them as fellow human beings. Once we say that this is a person you know, with leprosy, it's a person, even though the, the disease is described here. But once we say leper, that person becomes defined by the disease. Right? You could say that this is a feature of the English language. Putting a suffix er after a word quickly tells us this person is associated with the word. Right? Um, but I don't think that that excuses us to use language more wisely and more compassionately and more justly. I just finished reading a book called Speaking and Being by Kubra Gumuse. She's a Turkish Muslim um, journalist, uh, and she's now, she's now a, professor, uh, a lecturer in Cambridge. Um, and she's doing a very interesting project called um, um, something utopias, right? Envisioning the future where people, diverse people can come together. Um, imagine a future where all of us, in all our diversity in the world, can come together to build an utopia. And it is possible. But we need to, um, there are ways to get there. And she has a very brilliant uh, TED talk that you might want to watch online. So I come to recognize how problematic language can be. And I want to be mindful of how I use words, how I name others, and how I speak. And I try my best, you know, I'll fail very often, not to dehumanize anyone. Because once we forget that this is a person that we're talking about, and just focus on that one thing that defines them, especially something that's negative, it becomes the first step of disassociating with them. And it becomes so much easier not to love them as our neighbours. So I want to be careful with the words I use. So will you join me in prayer? God, may the words from my mouth continue to change, evolve, so that they might become more and more pleasing to you. And the meditations of all our hearts be accepted to you, O God, our rock and our salvation. So today's lectionary passage is about the ten persons who have leprosy, right? From Luke chapter 17. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going to a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when, they saw that, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? 
Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So I want to ask this question as you hear this story, right? This, this account. What questions come to your mind? What questions do you have? You know, like, this sounds very weird. Or this, I don't understand this part, right? And I invite you to key in that as I read to you once again this account in um, the Gospel according to Luke. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going to a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So let me read some of your questions. Why did only one of them, one of the ten return? The other nine are ungrateful. Easy to take God's blessing for granted. Were the other nine healed? If not, why not? Was the nine partially healed and only one fully healed? Good question. Did the ungrateful nine have their leprosy returned to them? Why would Jesus ask people to come back and say thank you? Wouldn't he have already known that only one was going to come and say thank you? Maybe Jesus was trying to make a point. I don't know. Why did Jesus take pains to mention that the man who gave thanks is a foreigner? Self-entitlement began way back. Very good observation. Why didn't he just heal them on the spot? Yeah, why? He could just heal them on the spot, right? Not tell them to go and show ourselves to the priests. One in ten will thank God. Oh, that's actually what one of my, um, my mentors told me. You know, In this work, gratitude is not something that, will, that comes up a lot. Um, is it common for Samaritans and Jews to live together? Or are those with leprosy put together? Right? Only Samaritans are healed? Oh, that's, that's not true. I think all of them were healed. We'll go into that. Why do we often forget the source of our blessings? Not coming back to praise does not necessarily mean they are not grateful, correct? Hmm, perhaps. Um, why 10? Why not 12? Yeah, I don't know. It's a round number, right? So, there are some questions I myself have. You know, What did they want from Jesus when they called out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us? They didn't specifically ask for healing, you know. They asked to have mercy. And we often assume that they were asking to be healed. Maybe. Maybe they've heard of Jesus' miracles of healing and therefore they just ask, have mercy on us, as, you know, and everyone knows exactly what they are trying to say. But they could also be beggars, right? We are making an assumption here that they, are, they ask for healing. They could be ask, uh, actually asking for alms because they are, lep- they are people living with that leprosy who has been shunned, kept out of the community, 
and how do they survive, right? The, many of you have asked the same questions. Why did Jesus ask them to show themselves to the priests and that it is only as they went that they were healed? And why was the one who came back the foreigner? Why didn't the rest come back? And one thing that perhaps a few of you know, I don't think anyone mentioned that, is now, what's the difference between made well and made clean? You see, when they went, as they went, the text says they were made clean. But at the end, when Jesus told the Samaritan, go, your faith has made you well. There's a difference, right? So let us start a little bit from the beginning and learn a little background exactly what is going on. First, this is from Leviticus, right? Um, and verses 45 to 46, uh, Levit Leviticus chapter 13, and the whole chapter is dedicated to how to deal with people with skin ailments. Um, we use the word leprosy here, but it's not the same leprosy that we understand today, right? And it reads, the person who has the leprous disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head be disheveled, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease, he's unclean. He shall live alone and his dwelling shall be outside the, the camp. Right. So, people suffering from skill ailments were marked. They were marked physically by how they were dressed, supposedly disheveled and, you know, torn clothes, and also marked by how they were supposed to behave. So, if anyone comes near them somehow, they are supposed to say, unclean, unclean. And they were isolated and separated from community. This is social distancing in the biblical times. At some level, we must wonder, they must also be marked inside themselves, how they saw themselves and how they felt about themselves and how they thought God saw them. So I wonder if you can think and maybe imagine, how do you think these people with leprosy saw themselves? No. A word or two, I mean, you have option to put in three words. Outcasts, rejected. Hmm? Unworthy, excluded, animal, dirty, not a human. Yeah. This is how they saw themselves. And, uh, I, unworthy sounds, is one that pops up a lot wrong, unloved, shameful, isolated. Why me? Yeah, why me? Punished, condemned, unhealthy, discriminated, justly persecuted. Oh, I think it's probably unjustly persecuted. You know, maybe it's to... And someone says to keep the community safe, I need to be away from them. Thank you. Thank you for reflecting. I think that they would have felt unworthy. And you would constantly have to tell people, unclean, unclean, when people come near you. 
you end up feeling, identifying that you are unclean, undeserving of community, outcast, dirty, condemned. They probably felt that they did not belong because they were told that they did not belong. And in some way, the disease that they were suffering from became their identity, became who they are, unclean. And then, I want to ask you this question. How do you think Jesus saw them? How do you think Jesus saw them? The text doesn't say much. You know, you don't have to go and read. Mm. Jesus just said, you know, go and show ourselves to the priests. With love, with compassion, that they were not well, they were victims, they were children of God, they were equals, they were worthy, they were also heirs to God's kingdom, they were humans. They're no different from others. They were created in God's image. Heartbroken. Thank you. Thank you for your responses. They were worthy. That's the biggest word there, right? Um, next to beloved and children of God. How did you know that Jesus saw them as beloved child of God worthy? Because the text doesn't say that. The text only says he told them to show yourselves to a priest. That's one of the questions I had. What, how did you see them? But we know somehow that they were beloved too. And it's from our experience our experience of being healed, restored, our experience of God's love, that we are able to say that's how Jesus saw them too. And then we have the question, right? Jesus told them to show themselves to the priest. Isn't that an odd thing? Like one of you pointed out earlier, it wasn't you are healed or be cleansed, but show yourselves to the priests. I want to suggest that Jesus instructed them to show themselves to the ones who determined that they were unclean in the first place. Because in Leviticus chapter 13, that's what the instruction says. If you have a skin blemish or a sore or you know, a disease of some sort, you're supposed to show yourself to the priests and they'll determine whether you're unclean or you're clean. Jesus told them to show themselves to the ones who dehumanized them. The ones who, because of the disease, labeled them as unclean. And really, it's not really the fault of the priests in some ways, right? It might not be their intention. They were just going by the law. That's what the law says in the Leviticus. But these priests were the part of that system that mocked and dehumanized them. 
that said that they were unclean. One of the things that I was reflecting on and that happened this week as well is that in the world today, there will be people who, like that, who are unsympathetic to what's going on, who will go by law or by right or by you know, um, the status quo, this is the way we do things, and we'll not change. And we'll perpetuate these things that will dehumanize other people. And one example comes to my mind, because exactly what I was um, interacting with people about um, on, my, you know, on Facebook is, I know many transgender people who are struggling to get people to use the correct gender pronoun as part of the process of transitioning. There are people who insist on misgendering them because that's what it says on your identity card or your birth certificate or blah, 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 right? Here, maybe someone who is presenting as a woman in front of them and they continue to address this person with he or Mr. or using their date name because by right, that's what it says on the paper. The question is, what has one got to lose by being compassionate, understanding, by addressing someone as how they want to be addressed? Nothing off their skin, the skin of the back, right? And isn't that what we all do every single day? When we meet someone new or what, we, you know, we introduce ourselves, call me by my name. Right? And those of us with privilege, cisgender privilege, you know, we will constantly be addressed using this correct, the, the gender pronoun that we prefer to be called by. You know, for those people who think that it's a small matter, how would you feel if someone keeps using the wrong pronoun on you? Keep calling you she when you are you know, you, you, you prefer to be called he, right? By right. How does it feel if someone keeps calling you by a wrong name? Even when you tell them that my name is not Mark, I am Miak. <laughs> I get that a lot, right? They think that is a typo. How would you feel? So, I think that these situations help us to think about how, what do we want? How do we want to be recognized? And how people label us? And how these people with skin ailments are labeled? Yes, the Levitical laws do, does instruct people that you know, with skin diseases to do this. And some of you may think that this is about public health, just like our social distancing rules and our masking rules during the pandemic, right? But if you investigate Leviticus chapter 13 carefully, you come to realize that's not really the case. Because in verses 20, 12 and 13, it says, if the leprosy breaks out all over the skin, and covers all the skin from one who has the sore from the head to the foot, wherever the priest looks, then the priest shall consider 
And indeed, if and indeed, if the leprosy has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him who has the sore clean. So, to put it in uh, plain English, if this skin ailment covers your whole body, head to toe, completely, you are considered clean. So, this is not, a, this is not exactly a, a health issue. They, they are not really concerned that you spread it to them. If they are concerned that you spread it to them, whether you have one patch or your whole recovery, you keep them away. This is about something else, right? It's about purity. And I'm not, I'm not going to dive into that or the idea of purity. So, yes, Leviticus 13 starts off from the very first verse that the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, meaning that Leviticus claims that these rules and instructions come from God. But is that really so? Or is it what people thought were instructions from God? Or the rules and regulations you think that they thought that God wanted to apply on them? And what if Jesus was telling these people suffering from leprosy to show themselves to priests as a way to reclaim their humanity? They were made clean as they went. What if they were never unclean in God's eyes in the first place? What if the problem isn't their disease, but how people at that time viewed their disease? So what if they went to confront those, when they went to confront those who labelled them unclean, this baggage that they've been carrying all their lives since they have the, this disease of being unclean was lifted up and taken away from them. Jesus told them to show up. Show up and not accept things as they are. Show up to resist being labelled unclean. Show up and recognise you are God's beloved. Jesus' healing wasn't just healing their physical ailments, but restoring their identities as children of God. He was restoring their humanity. Jesus didn't see them as unclean or as, a disease, as defined by the disease they're suffering from. He saw them as how God saw them and to shed off all the labels that have been put on them. But this restoration doesn't happen like a sudden transformation. This restoration it doesn't happen like a physical healing. When Jesus healed the blind person, the person who was blind, right, the person was healed there and then immediately. It's almost like sudden transformation. But the uh, inner transformation requires something more. It requires them to show up and to experience the reality of how God saw them. How this label, this baggage, this disease isn't them and shouldn't be what defines them. They were cleansed as they went on their way to show themselves to a priest because it is not only a physical cleansing, it is an internal cleansing. And they also stop seeing themselves as unclean, unworthy. Imagine that when they show themselves to a priest, instead of seeing themselves as unclean, they saw themselves as equals. Which is more reflective of God's kingdom 
of love? Is it a place where people fit into some criteria of perfection and then they are accepted? Or a place where people are accepted in spite of their flaws and imperfections? Which is more reflective of God's grace? Today, how are we reflective of this kingdom? Who are those who are seen as unclean? Who are those who are not welcome? Are there times that we ourselves think someone is less deserving of being welcome, being accepted, being part of community than another? Today, who do we label unclean? Those who work in jobs that are unclean? The garbage collector? Do they get defined by the job and we stop seeing them as human beings? People living with HIV? People who come from different countries? People who are just different from us? People we think are less than us? And you know what, ha what is happening when we do that? When we think that someone is less than, less deserving, less worthy, we are judging. And the reality is that's God's job, not ours. Ours is simply, though it's not simple, to love our neighbours as ourselves. And to start on that process, we need to see them as people equally beloved by God. First, realize everyone's equal. And to turn that around, have you been labelled unclean? Have you been labelled the other, less deserving, unworthy, Last Sunday, and just now, one of the worship songs was, I Hear Your Voice. I hear your voice calling me to rise from the dead. I hear your voice to, tr to trust you instead. I hear your voice to move up in faith. I hear your voice. I hear your voice. I have been healed and I'm whole again. I wonder if this is the kind of song that will be echoing the hearts of these 10 people who are cleansed. I wonder. That song, this song, particularly resonates with me a lot because that I've experienced that healing that restoration. I'm no longer defined by what other people say of me. I know I'm beloved. There is another thing though. Sometimes the ones who think that we are unworthy, unclean, undeserving of love, the ones who judge us is ourselves. And we need to be freed from that as well. There is a person that I know who have felt that they have sinned greatly. 
they felt that they let everyone who loved them down and they fell into a depression. They didn't allow people to care for them or to love them either. And I visited that person and I told them, there's one person, only one in the universe right now who has not forgiven you. And it isn't the person that you're hurt or harmed. It isn't your loved ones. It isn't me. And it certainly isn't God. The only person who has not forgiven you is you. Sometimes we have internalized the voice that tells us that we are unworthy, unclean, and undeserving of love. We hear it so much that the voice begins stuck in our heads and that's how we see ourselves. How does Jesus see you? I'm not going to ask you to fill up that. This is how Jesus sees you. These are the answers that come from your heart when I ask you the question, how did Jesus saw the ten persons with leprosy? You are children, you are beloved, you are worthy, you are children of God. You are created in God's image. You are worthy to live. You need love and acceptance. You are equal. You are human. That's how, and I hope, because these answers came from you, that you internalize these this voices too. Because there's no way we can erase those negative voices in our heads. We will always carry those voices that says we're unworthy, undeserving of love, unclean. Those voices will remain. Cannot erase. Is there. But what can be done is that we find the other voices that are much louder. And those voices that speak from, of God's love for you, those voices that speak the truth, those voices that speak of God's grace. This grace is not that requ does not require you to be deserving at all. If you need to deserve grace, you need to earn grace in some way or another, then it's not grace anymore. Keep that in mind. But the story doesn't end there. Ten of them were made clean. One returned. The one who was different, the Samaritan, the foreigner. And I want to ask you, why do you think that it was the Samaritan who returned to give thanks and praise? Or to flip the question the other way, why didn't the other nine return? Why was it the Samaritan and not the other nine who returned? What's going on?
I'll wait for some answers before I give you the, uh, my reflection. They attribute their cleansing to the priest. Mm, nope. Thanks for answering, but that's not likely it. Too eager to be with the normal people. Ah, right, you're yeah, cleansed. Now you can return to your community. He had, the Samaritan had a grateful heart. The nine thanked the priest instead of Jesus. I don't think so. I think this is the most that hits the nail on the head, right? Take for granted that they deserved it. So relieved that they forgot about the healer. Because he had nowhere else to go. The rest went to their communities. That's very true. Here's a Samaritan, you know. He's a foreigner. He's an outsider among the outsiders. God wants us to change the way we see Samaritans. That's possible too. As a Samaritan, he felt more unworthy. Mm -hmm. God wants, uh, not in his covenant with God. Mm, I don't think so. So, I think, like some of you have pointed out, oh, that's a good one. Mostly, most likely he was treated as an outcast his whole life. So now as an outcast, he's now made equal as the others. He's doubly an outcast. Not only was he suffering from leprosy, he was also a Samaritan. Right? I think it's because the Samaritan recognizes the depth of the grace that he received. Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. And a Jewish rabbi healed him, a Samaritan man. They are supposed to be enemies. Uh. And the other nine may have felt entitled because they were Jewish. Of course, the Jewish rabbi will heal them. Right? Of course, that's what he would do. Own people. Uh. So, you know, you heal me natural thing. It is the one who does not take things for granted, who returns to give thanks and praise. And aren't we like that very often? We take things for granted. We feel entitled. And then it is at this point that Jesus tells the Samaritan man, your faith has made you well. Not only cleansed, but well. Richard Raw. Uh, in the book um, Breathing Underwater, writes, After trying to teach the gospel for 40, over 40 years, trying to build up communities and attempting to raise up elders and leaders, I'm convinced that one of my failures was that I did not ask more of people from the very beginning. If they do not turn outward early, they tended not to turn outward. And their dominant concern became personal self-development, spiritual consumerism, and church as more attendance. Or to use a common phrase used among Christians, deepening my relationship with Jesus, most of which depends, demands little accountability for what you say that relationship is. Jesus was not talking about forming a new in-group, but transmitting a message that actually makes a difference for people and for human society. 
And although Jesus spent all of his ministry moving between preaching and healing, with the healing validating the preaching, most of church history has, most of, most of the time, church has done loads of preaching and very little healing. I want to ask, what does it mean not to just be made clean, but also made well? How do we get made well? Now, let's start, you know, looking at the story. How did the ten afflicted with leprosy get made clean? Well, by being on the way to show themselves to priests. How do we get made clean? By being on the way, on the journey of working on recognizing our belovedness, that we are children of God. And that's the being cleansed, the journey, right? And then, how do we get to be made well? Well, how did the one returned get made well? Faith. Your faith has made you well. But the faith is not just saying. Richard Ross says, deepening my relationship with Jesus doesn't cut it. It's not that we are not, it's not that we are not supposed to deepen our relationship with Jesus. But this phrase is so vague that we, we get to define what deepening our, my, our relationship with Jesus means. It doesn't hold us accountable. And we get to avoid the things that we do not want to do. I do not want to mix around people who are different from me. I just stick to my own in-group and I'm fine with that. And I'll continue deepening our relationship with Jesus. We get to choose what we want to do and, what, and not do what we are unwilling to do. We get to excuse ourselves when you say, we own, oh, I want to deepen my relationship with Jesus. We, get to, we, we excuse ourselves from living out our faith to be truly born again, to be transformed. So we are more and more in the likeness of Christ. And what does becoming more and more like Christ mean? Being one who is focused outwards, showing up, being involved in the changes so others may have dignity, respect, love, justice. Focus on other people's well-being and not only ours. That's not to say that you don't focus on your own well-being, but that does not stop there. It's not just a personal Jesus you're looking at. I shared last week my memory of Reverend Yap's answer to June when she asked him, a pastor said, I'll go to hell. What do you say? And his answer, where you go, I go. Even though it may be just words, but these words were said with such conviction and such meaning and filled with such love that truly it was Christ-like. He lifted up a transgender person who used to do sex work and saw her as an equal, as a beloved child of God. That's the power. That, that is the faith that will make us whole, make us well. Because being well, being whole, isn't something that you do on your own. It is in relationship with others, in relationship with the community, and in relationship with God. Reverend Charles B. Reed shared this experience that he had 
At the service of the communion, Archbishop Desmond Tutu said something which I'll never forget. He remarked that it is truly awesome that people can come to the foot of the cross and be overcome and saved by the love and suffering of Christ, a love that truly died for our sins. Just the first part, huh? Then Archbishop Tutu said, some Christians stay at the foot of the cross and never climb up the cross to see what Jesus sees. This is where the wounded, being a wounded healer begins, climbing up the cross to see what Jesus sees and to feel what Jesus feels. That will make you well. That will make all well. Will you show up when you find out that you were cleansed and healed and return to Jesus, not only to praise and give thanks, but also move from the foot of the cross and climb up that cross and know what that cross means and the price you may have to pay to climb up that cross to see what Jesus sees and participate in the work of healing the church is called to do. It's a tall order. It is about carrying our crosses as well. Not in the way we conventionally think that that's our... Are we willing to climb up that cross and see how Jesus sees. And because of that, move in faith to do the work necessary so that others will receive what you have once received. That healing that you once you received before, others might get too. And as we show up, as we become wounded healers, our faith will make us well. Our faith will bring us shalom. Our faith will... The wellness of us is interconnected. That I'm not truly well until all are well. Amen. A lot to think about based on what we've heard. So to prepare ourselves to be fully present at the table of God's communion, just invite you perhaps taking a moment, um, if you would like closing your eyes, taking a deep breath, just settling into the body, ready to experience communion with God. We gather each Sunday at this table even though at this time we may not all be physically together, this table of God's feast transcends all time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries 
And in FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. Altogether, God of mercy and justice, be with us. We lift our hearts to you, not because we have to, not because we are supposed to, but because it's how we respond to your unconditional love. Because it feels good to know we are loved. As long as there have been people to tell them, our ancestors in faith have shared stories of your mercy. Of how, of how you, you gave, gave food, food to the, the poor, clothes to, to the, the naked, and shelter to the lost. As long as there have been people to tell them, our ancestors in faith have shared stories of your justice. Of how, of how you, you gave freedom, freedom to the, to the enslaved, enslaved, opportunity to the outcast, and peace to the, the war torn. You acted with both mercy and justice, rescuing the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. Providing them with manna when they were hungry. And your people acted in both mercy and justice. Like the prophets who cried out to care for widow, orphan and foreigner. And those who provided food, shelter and community. You have shared your mercy and justice with us. Not only as gifts to be received from you, but as gifts that are to be shared with the world. We see this gift most clearly in the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus showed us what a life of mercy and justice looked like. In, in mercy, he gave, he gave food to the hungry. With justice, he broke social custom and shared tables with the powerful and the lowly at once. In mercy, he cared for the sick. With justice, he broke religious custom and healed on the Sabbath. With mercy, he had compassion for the poor. With justice, he spoke out against the empire that held them in poverty. In mercy, he washed his disciples' feet. With justice, he died without protest to expose a corrupt system. On the night he was handed over to the unjust system that killed him, he protested by sharing a meal with his friends. There he took bread, gave thanks for God's mercy in providing it, shared God's mercy by giving it to his friends. Then he called them to remember the injustice of his broken body every time they ate bread. After they ate, he took the cup, gave thanks for God's mercy in providing it, shared God's mercy by giving it to his friends. Then he called them to remember the injustice of his spilled blood every time they drank wine. But that, that wasn't, wasn't all. all. God's mercy and justice burst forth when Jesus died, and his, and his resurrection, resurrection gave hope to all those who hunger for mercy and thirst for justice. God will always equip those who seek to share mercy and justice. Even death cannot stop God's incredible grace. So we ask God's Holy Spirit to be poured out on this meal, on these gifts of mercy, bread and juice, 
that we may remember Jesus' ministry of mercy and justice, that these gifts of mercy may become for us the body and blood of Christ, so that we may show mercy and do justice, not just for ourselves, but for the transformation of the world. May the stewards come forward to distribute elements. Let us partake the elements with gratefulness. Please rise and join me in the prayer of communion. All together. God, God through this meal, we pray that your grace would empower us to do justice, to offer mercy, and to do so with humility. You have given us your Son as an example and your Holy Spirit as advocate. Give us the courage to do your work in the world. Amen. Please be seated.
thank you, Pastor Miak, for the message. And I was, as I was listening to it, I was like thinking about labels. You know, the LGBTQ community, the label has been uh, getting longer and longer. It's like now it's LGBTQIAS. So one day I think all 26 letters of the alphabet will be used. And it's like from A to Z, we all have a label uh, being placed on us. But you know what? I think labels are meant for jars and cans and not for people. So whether you place the label on yourself or other people place the label on you, uh, you really have to uh, consider what exactly about the label defines you. For example, I really don't like being called a Christian, even though I am a Christian. Because when you call yourself a Christian, people have some ideas about how a Christian should behave, how a Christian should be like. And anything you differ from what they imagine the Christian label to be, you're just like, hey, you're not a good Christian, you're not this, you're not that. So, as FCC is an inclusive church, as we look at each other and we try to welcome each other as you are, a lot of times, you know, you just tell me who you want to be and we will accept you as you are. And if we keep on looking at differences between people, we will always see you will always see ourselves as between, you know, I and you. There is a difference. But as humans, I think we should try to look for the common things among people. And that's where we are able to see. And if you are able to see the image of God in each and every one of us, then we will be able to see all of us as a beloved child of God. So once again, I'd like to welcome you to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for first realize everyone's equal. Uh, if you are new to us, whether you have joined us uh, first time or the second time or many, many times, but you are still interested to know more about FCC, uh, please leave us your details at fcc.last/welcome. Uh, someone from church will reach out to you. Every month we have a newcomers meeting. Uh, this month's newcomers meeting will be on 30th of October, immediately after service. If you are interested to talk to the pastors to find out more from the leaders, uh, please send an email to info at freecomechurch.org. Uh, to join the newcomers meeting. Uh, so this Sunday, we actually want to update you on the collection for the, from the beginning of the year until now. So till end of September, the general fund has been slightly in front, have collected around 76.7%, and the building fund has collected around 86.5%. You know, a lot of times throughout the years, most of the times we are behind. And then when we are in front with the board, always think, should we tell the congregation? Shall we tell the congregation? Because you know, once you're in front, then the next month's collection will dip very, very seriously. But as you know, with the economy going like that, and then inflation going like that, and then you know, everything is uh, rising up in cost. So even though we are slightly ahead, uh, we still strongly encourage you uh, to give as you are willing to. Uh, to the various funds because we have got a very, very flat budget for the past don't know how many umpteen years and cost has gone up uh, and there's a lot of things, the eight years that we've been here, there are a lot of things that needs to be repaired and buy new things or so. So if you are willing to give, please give by pay now. You may give by pay now for the FCC general fund. Uh, we encourage you to give more to the general fund as the building fund is slightly more ahead only. Uh, give by pay now to the two QR codes, one for a general fund and one for a building fund. Or you may also give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. Uh, 
Gift.Asia actually uh, charges a 1.5% platform fee and that goes only to the general fund. So before we ask the stewards to go out and collect uh, the offering, let us pray. God of love, justice and mercy, indeed we give thanks to you that no matter what labels the world give us, whether we are the majority or the minority or what labels we give ourselves, we just need to know that we are your creation and we are your beloved children. And God, sometimes it is difficult for us to overcome these labels, the negative connotations that are in our hearts. But we know that you are the patient and loving God and that you are always there to show us your love. And as we gather together as a community, may we actually reflect your love so that others out there will also see your love from us, from our actions, from our words, even from our thoughts. God, we continue to ask for wisdom, mercy and grace for ourselves and for others. We lift up everything we have onto your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So for those on site, if you would like to give by dropping something into the collection bags, uh, please just raise up your hands and then the stewards will come forward to you. So, if you have joined us, and if you're not in any cell group in FCC, uh, and you'd like to find out what FCC is, what do, who is FCC, what do we do, what do we believe, uh, SEED Season 12 starts today. It's a hybrid session. SEED stands for Settle Easily, Engage Deeply. Uh, if you are new here on site and you have not signed up yet, you may just uh, join the SEED group immediately today after lunch. Uh, in the room behind. Okay, so uh, this this seat is 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 a initiative that the church has done to try and welcome new members and try and integrate them into church uh, before you guys finding yourself uh, into a cell group or into anything, so that you actually have got some uh, basic foundation of what FCC stands for. So if you're interested to join seat, please join. <laughs> at the church, uh, at the rooms after that. Somebody is asking me to slow down, slow down. Okay. Uh, the welcome team is also calling for volunteers. Uh, I think one thing about FCC is that I think uh, we have a very wonderful welcome team. They are always, you know, smiley face and everything and welcoming you to church. So if you want to be part of the welcome team family to make FCC a home for all those who walk through our doors, you may contact Sean Lee at the number listed or email to info at Freecom Church to find out more about how to join the welcome team as a volunteer. Uh, prayer rope making session. Uh, last time it was announced that it will be held in October, but this date has been postponed, so it'll be the actual date will be to be advised. So we will have a new slide for prayer rope making session next time. Come talk about mental health. Uh, this is a mental health 
talk on 23rd of October 2022 from 1 to 3 p.m. You may RSVP at info at freecomchurch.org if you want to find out more, if you have experience, or if you want to find out more about how to, how, how to tackle the mental health issue, please come and join this talk. Join the production ministry. I think the last time I was out here, I wanted to add some excitement to your life, but I don't see anybody signing up to join the production ministry. But seriously, today we had a very slim team because I think some, some of the volunteers couldn't make it last minute. But uh, we really do need uh, volunteers for the production ministry because as whether the pandemic is on or off, we are going to continue with this broadcast service uh, uh, throughout. So because we have reached out to audiences from uh, Philippines, UK, uh, Australia, Malaysia, everywhere else. Uh, so if you are interested... Uh, please send an email to info at freecomchurch.org. We really, really need all hands on deck because if not, uh, the volunteers will actually burn out and then you'll just start to see fewer and fewer volunteers. So you do not need to be technically trained. You just need to sh show an interest, sign up, and then we will show you a behind the scenes of the volunteer ministry. And then you can feel a little excitement every Sunday. So sign up at info at freecomchurch.org. Now we'll just invite... Pastor Pauline to come up and give the benediction. And now, will you rise in body and spirit to receive the benediction? God who sees us, we confess there are times we take your grace for granted. Help us see ourselves and others through your eyes. Help us love ourselves and others with your love. And help us show up in every corner of the earth so that all may be made well. And so now go. Go as God's people. And may our God who makes us well Go with you, both now and always. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for service today. So lovely to see all of you. Um, go out, and may our God of love go with you. Have a blessed week ahead. <laughs>